glad that you're here with us in the room today. Uh, again, just talking to my wife. I mean, I'm a I'm a people person. Um, I, I do. Yeah, I need I need to retreat and have time to myself. But I really gain energy by seeing you, being around you. There's two of us like that in our household. Two others are more. They're shy and introverted. So it doesn't mean they hate you. Just they're they 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 lose energy being around people too much. They need energy from you, but they can't always have that. But I need energy. So I'm glad you're here today. I'm glad you're online and watching. So uh, when you're there online, just just say amen every once in a while. But uh, we just want to just say, you know, God is in control of all things. I know we live in a crazy world uh, and it's always going to be crazy until the Lord Jesus comes and takes us back. But as you know, we've already prayed for peace. But I want to pray with uh, with us that this week would be a week of peace. Um, you may have different political views than other people. It never gives us a right to violently shed blood, though. It never gives us a right to do that. So this week, I know there's talk out there. There's far right people, far left people trying to stir up trouble. And it's really the Bible calls the spirit of lawlessness is arising, preparing for the end times. So this week, regardless of you like the new incoming president or the old president or current president, we as Christians need to obey Timothy. It says we're to pray for our leaders, pray for all people to be saved. We're to pray for peace. We're to be people of peace. Jesus never said instigate a riot. If you looked when um, Peter pulled out the sword, when, when the guards came for him and he, he cut off Malchus, the, the, the guards' ears, Peter, uh, you know, Jesus said, don't, you know, those who live by the sword will die by the sword. Yes, I believe in a military to defend the country. I believe in law enforcement to to help keep law and order. But as Christians, we should never, never, never want to see bloodshed. We would want to see redemption through Jesus Christ. Jesus gave his life to redeem us. So in the same sense, as we want to defend the unborn, as we want to bring reconciliation to our nation, let us be Christ-like in the world. And would you just pray with me, Lord, in the name of Jesus, let the church arise and be the church of the living God. Lord God, let us shed off political views. Let us shed off all the things that, that try to tell us how to live our lives. Lord God, you tell us. Yes, we read the word. You are Jesus, your grace and truth. Both God. We're, we're, we shouldn't be a right-wing church. We should not be a left-wing church. We should be a church that's following Jesus Christ. Every church should follow Jesus Christ. And there is both law and order and there's also grace and mercy. And we need both. So, But Father, in this nation... In this, and I, I know in the news there's other nations having political problems, but Lord, I'm praying for a peaceful transition. I'm praying that there will be no violence, no lawlessness. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I curse that. I cast that down. And I pray that people would come to their senses, whether they like the outcome or not, because we are a democratic republic. And I pray that, Father, Christians would rise up and bring peace, not division, God. Peace, God. Let us sow cords of peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, God. Our job is to bring peace through Jesus Christ. So I pray for peace. I pray against violence. I pray against lawlessness. I pray against division. I pray against hate, God. And I pray that, Father, that, yes, politicians would hear from you. They would obey you. They would be reminded. They would be servants of the public, God, that we are the kingdom of God followers. And we, God, are going to be godly people. And we're going to do the right thing. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for, for allowing me to take that time of prayer. I just want you to pray for peace in this nation, peace in every nation. I, I see that there's, there's always conflict somewhere in the world. We as Christians need to use our power of prayer and the life of Jesus Christ. Hey, I'm going to transition now. 
Thanks for joining us. Thank you for giving. Um, I know I tried to promise you uh, pictures of our uh, updated roof. I, I actually took some pictures, and I just haven't had it yet to make some slides. So I want to thank all of you that gave to our heart for the house and continue giving. Some of you are pledging to that. Thank you so much. Uh, our new uh, roof looks so much better. And I want to thank the board, and I want to thank uh, the Coles specifically for spearheading it and making sure that the, the roofing company followed through with that. So thank you. And we always ask you to continue to give. Help us in, in going into to sending the gospel all over the world online. Thank you for your faithfulness and tithes and offering. Excuse me. You can continue to give. There's a giving slide there. You can give online. Uh, there's some new. Thank you, Tati and Pastor Melissa. We have some new QR codes around the building and also on the website. You can go there and there's different things. Um, hey, we want to continue to be online with you as well. But thank you for giving. Uh, so let me just pray. Lord, bless gift and giver. Bless everyone in their finances. I know that there are many that are struggling. They've been laid off. They've been furloughed. Some are, are still struggling, Lord God. It's been a tough 2020 and now moving into a, a, a tough 2021. I'm praying for provision for all your people. And God, bless and meet every person's need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, all right. I'm going to transition now to the message. And uh, this is something that's been on my heart. And I know I've been talking. The sermon series now is is uh, recovering or discovering our uh, our wonder in God. And I'm going to I'm going to be in Genesis 32 this morning. And I was reading my, my personal Bible study time has been in Genesis right now. It's, it's, it takes me. I have a Bible reading plan. In fact, I encourage you to get a Bible reading plan. Uh, and it, it gives me it gives me Old Testament and New Testament every day. And it mixes in Proverbs and Psalms so I can read it. So basically, I can read the Bible from January 1 uh, to December 3rd. And if I stay faithful to it, I can read through the whole Bible. So it's it's easy. It takes about 15 minutes a day. So I challenge you this. As some of you made a resolution to lose weight, to stop this, to start that. You should don't just resolve it. See, I'm going to get in the word because the word. Word of God is living. Amen. All right. These people said amen. So online, I hope you're saying amen. But I want you to, to, to look in your Bible and we're going to look here in uh, Genesis 32. And, and today, today's sermon title is from disenchantment to wonder and reawakening the wonder of God. Let me pray. Father, now I humble myself in your sight. I want to be your vessel, Lord. I want to speak your truth, your life, your words to the room, in the, to the great people here and those joining us online that are active now and those that will even watch us later in the, the days, the weeks, even months, maybe even years to come. I pray that your word is living and active. And Lord, as we sang about your presence, let your presence be here in this room and in everywhere where whoever's watching, however they're watching. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Genesis 32. Let me just now give you just a little bit of a backstory. So, so maybe if you know the the account of of Jacob and Esau, uh, they're, they're brothers. And so Jacob now uh, they were born uh, they were born twins. And so they they were born uh, struggling in their mom's womb. So uh, they're growing up. Uh, one is is an outdoors person. You know, he's that guy that we talk about that he's hairy all over. I mean, it said that, it said that. Can you imagine that being born hairy? He's the guy that when he takes a sweater off, he still has a sweater right that's kind of gross right but i mean that's what it is and then his his brother jacob is 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 less hairy and he wants to stay inside you know doesn't want to go outside as much and that's okay too um but what happens is so in the culture there the oldest child the oldest son would receive the inheritance and the main blessing to carry on the blessings of the family and so uh it's coming now to the point that their dad uh isaac is getting older now and rebecca comes up with a scheme and so she comes up with a scheme 
scheme and she says, you know what, I, I, you know, she obviously favors one child over the other. Obviously, I, it does happen. Uh, I encourage you not to do it because each child is, is awesome and, and precious and they're different. And so she 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 favors uh, Jacob. And of course, the, the name Jacob means deceiver. And probably maybe she was angry that that uh, Isaac named their son deceiver. Well, he obviously knew. And so so what happens is the mom, uh, Rebecca tells him, hey, let's let's get the birthright. She's deceptive to the, her husband, she's deceptive to her brothers. And so now uh, uh, he, he tricks his dad. You've read the account. He puts on, you know, he just tricks him, tricks his dad. His dad gives him his blessing, which he's the second born. Um, Esau is out hunting, brings in the stuff to get his blessing. He's, he's, his dad says, I've already given the blessing. I can't bless you now. And so Esau's angry and he's of course he swears i'm going to destroy my brother because you know sibling rivalry some of you do that and uh encourage you not to do that so now um we see that esau is he's run he's left his home he has a he has an encounter with god then he goes and he finds laban and he marries uh he wants to marry uh laban's daughter the deceiver is now deceived by laban i'm just giving you a short uh uh blip on this and so he works he works for his woman because he really loves her. And then uh, uh, Laban tricks him and gives him uh, the, the one daughter, which he didn't want to marry. So then he says, I'll work for you again the next seven years, whatever it is. And then finally he gets his wife that he wants. And then he's like, I, I got to move on because now my bro- I hear my brother's coming. And of course, my brother's angry. And so he knows there's a divide. So he's leaving now again. So he's on his run the second time. Uh, he, he left his homeland. Now he's leaving Laban's uh, household and he's going to go out and strike out his own. He hears that his brother's Esau is coming. Esau probably has has armed guards and troops and all that. And so now here it is. OK, he sends his family. He sends his livestock. He sends it all out. Now, here we go. We pick it up. Genesis 32 verses 22. OK, that night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched and he was he as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Then Jacob asked him, what is your name, Jacob? What is your name, Jacob? He answered. Then he then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, no longer be deceiver, but Israel or prince, prince of of, uh, one of the prince of gods, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying it is because I saw God's. I saw God face to face and yet my life was spared. Then the sun rose above him as he passed Peniel and he was limping because of his hip. And so if you look at the account of Jacob and Esau, Jacob's life was probably a disappointing life. He had he had struggled. He had deceived. He he worked to get ahead. He, he was always in fear, always in fear, looking over his shoulder that his brother Esau was going to come and get him. And so many of us, we live in fear of the past or the future. We live in fear of something or we're disenchanted. And I guarantee you. Jacob was dis- was disenchanted. I, I guarantee you, Esau was disenchanted. I know that uh, that um, Rebecca was disenchanted. So now you see that this disenchantment is forming his life, and, and he's done all this stuff. And so now he's living this life. Both Esau and Jacob have done things that just really aren't good. It's just caused problems. You see, we can all relate to this, can't we? We can relate because this is happening in our world today. 
We've all seen things that disappoint us. We, 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 we've lost hope in people. I mean, can you imagine your mom teaching you, your parent teaching you to be deceptive? Can you imagine your, your, your sibling stealing your birthright, your possessions, so that they can get ahead? I mean, it happens not just siblings, but families, countries, people, even sadly in the church. In fact, when we see all this, it causes us to become disenchanted with God. And we say, where are you, God? And we lose our wonder in God. And so before you get depressed, let me tell you, God is still on the throne. God is still the same. Jesus said in Hebrews, he's the same yesterday, today and forever. Say amen. Come on, amen here. Amen on the chat, wherever you're at. So on the sanctity of life Sunday and on the day before MLK Day, the church must reawaken its wonder for God. We must discover again that God has a great plan. You see, I didn't tell you this, but God had a great plan for Jacob and Esau. But they tried to wrestle and make the plan in their own way instead of following God's plan. You see, God has a great plan for every person, every nation. And he wants us to stop wrestling him and wrestling each other. And he wants us to submit and he wants us to hold on to what he's called us to do. And so on this day of Sanctity of Life Sunday and tomorrow being MLK Day, we need to get back and refocus and rediscover the God of wonder. Come on, say amen. Amen. You see, again, I'm sure when Jacob and Esau were born, their parents were reminded of the wonder of life. I was talking to Paul this morning uh, as he was coming. I was asking him how he was doing and the kids. And he said, and you know, he, you know, kids are full of energy, and especially when they're young. They're just all over the place. And, you know, Paul was saying they have more. I think they have more energy uh, than they know. And, and that's true. I mean, they're like going, going, going. And, and, you know, I said over time, it says, I mean, it said it. it, it just enjoy this. This is a, just a time of life because then, you know, after you, there's this and that and that, and then they become adults. You know, I was thinking about that. My daughters are, you know, one is 21. One's going to be 18 next month. And I'm thinking, my goodness, time flies. And, and so you know, part of me says, I don't want them to grow up. But part of me says, no, they, I've got to allow them to be the women who they've called. God's called them. I've got to allow them to be. But I don't want them to be disillusioned with my life. So I don't want them to be disillusioned with God. I don't want them to be disillusioned with the world. I want them and I want you and your children or grandchildren to, again, rediscover, reawaken our wonder for God. So are you ready to do that today? You see, again, because I know Jacob and Esau, they were a blessing. They sparked wonder in their mom and dad. But then over time, as you know, as a child grows, that wonder can be pushed away because then you're busy raising them. The pressures of making a living, just the ongoing struggles of life can push away the wonder of God. And we can become disenchanted. You think, man, I just, I, I'm just not where I want to be. I, I figured by this time in my life, I would be this place, but I'm not there. And see, this is where Jacob and Esau were. They were struggling. And somewhere along the line, we've lost our wonder for life. We've lost our wonder. I mean, when, I mean, I think about, I haven't seen Paul's kids for a little bit, but, you know, just the wonder in a little kid's eyes when they're outside and they see things or they, when they, when they watch TV or, or they see you do things like, wow, just the wonder in their eyes. And church, I believe it's time for us to get that wonder back in our eyes, not just for life, but also for God. Because he is still the God of all wonder. And see, now we've lost it. We've had bad experiences that have disenchanted us. We, we've been disappointed. Someone we, close to us, we've looked up, has disappointed us. Even our, our faith has become mundane. Coming to church now because of the COVID thing, it's hard. Uh, just life has just become hard. And our faith in God is drying up. What can be done? How can we get our wonder back? Are we really living the life that God wants for us? 
Have we lost our way? Have we lost our why? Have we lost our wonder? Are you ready? Say yes, because I need to move on. Type in yes, I'm ready. Because we can look into Jacob's life and we can see how we can regain our wonder. We can see that the God of wonder never let go of Jacob. He never abandoned Jacob. Even though Jacob made a mess of his life, even though I make a mess of my life, maybe you don't. But I'm going to tell your family and friends, say, yes, you do. We may make a mess of our lives, but God doesn't let go. He doesn't abandon us so easily like we want to abandon people. So I want to help you today. I want to help me get our eyes back in God and regain our wonder. Are you ready? Here we go. Number one, struggles that lead to disenchantment. Number one, struggles that lead to disenchantment. When innocent dies, you see Jacob and Esau struggled with each other, struggled with each other from the beginning of their lives. Each... uh, Made some not so much. I mean, I, I, I grew up with two older brothers. And yes, we love each other. Uh, but yet we struggle with each other at times. I remember, you know, brothers always try, girls do this too. We always try to one-up each other. We're always trying to do this and we're always trying to be better. And, and as you older, typically you mature and you grow out of that. Some, some, some adult kids don't grow. They're still trying to one-up each other, trying to better each other. And so, you know, so we make decisions over time that aren't always the best. And, and so if you grew up with siblings, you understand sibling rival, right? Those of you siblings, some, no, my family, we're perfect. Okay, that's fine. You're that one family. You're the only one. But see, along the course of life, as I said before, things conspire against our sense of wonder. The, the daily gruel of life, paying bills, trying to just get by, the aches, you know, and you're, you get a little bit older, your, your body just doesn't function, in your mind you think you could do things, and then you try and like, I can't do that anymore. Your body says uh, no, your mind says yes, your body says no. But you see, the world system and the enemy of our souls works hard to make us disenchanted, to make us lose our wonder of God. And you see, sadly, and, and this is, and I'm going to talk just briefly. I'm not going to be graphic, but I'm going to just talk about some adult things. But even with kids, we've got to be careful. Sadly, there are people in our world that want to steal our innocence, that want to rob our joy, that want to take away. I mean, I mean, think about kids before the Internet. Some of the stuff that they see now, I mean, I mean, on your phone, you can just see stuff that's horrific. And, and some of I mean, some of us, we never saw those things until we became an adult or till someone tried to show it to us. And nowadays it's at our fingertips online, on TV, on so on. And so there are people that are trying to still kill and destroy our lives through the work of the devil. And if you remember, I've been talking about uh, the, the book, which I'm, I'm getting. I, I'm, not, I'm just reading the book and I'm getting ideas and praying for the spirit to give me. Uh, it's, it's by this uh, illusionist, Harris III. And, and it says the wonder switch. Um, it says the difference between living in your life and living your dream. And he became a Christian. Uh, and, and so what happened was um, Harris III was he was drawn into magic. And I'm not talking satanic magic. I'm just talking about the, the sleight of hand stuff. OK, so don't be religious. Don't be Pastor Stan, we don't do that. Can I just be honest? Just stop that. Grow up, really. It's just trick of hand entertainment. And so he was really good at it. And so he began to travel with this older man who was his mentor. Some of you know where I'm going with this, but see, Harris III, his innocence was robbed for him in his preteen years by his so-called mentor who molested him. You see, there are people in our world that are preying on us and our kids. They want to rob our sense of wonder. They want to, they want to still kill and destroy. And from this point on, Harris III, his wonder switch was turned off. 
And he struggled until he, he came to knowledge of Christ. He struggled and then until he, he had to have his wonder switch turned on again. And you see, sadly, it's easier to lose our innocence because of the Internet. Our corrupt culture infests everything and everyone and it pushes out our wonder for God. Come on, I'm just being honest with you. Oh, Pastor. And I mean, I, I catch myself watching stuff. I shouldn't be watching this or, or hearing stuff. I'm not, I shouldn't be hearing this. But it pushes out our wonder. I'm not saying that you need to be prudent or a prude. I'm just saying we need to be righteous in God. And we need to stop being perverted like the world. We need to be God because we all struggle with it. I mean, it bombards us and it, it tells us to, to lie, to steal, to cheat, to look out for number one, just as Jacob's mom had done for him to teach him to do anything he had to do to get ahead. And I'm telling you, that's not working. It's not working for you. It's not working for me. It's not working for our country. It's not working for the world. And we keep pushing God out. We keep pushing him out. And we wonder why we're disenchanted. We wonder why even in churches, man, I'm not getting it. Nothing's happening because the world is doing all it can, all that it can to keep you disenchanted. And the second part, letter B, is we're disappointed by people. I and mean, we've all been disappointed. We've all disappointed other people. And we're going to continue to be disappointed. Maybe it was a family member. Maybe it's a political leader. Maybe it was a, a boss, a pastor, a teacher, a friend, a spouse, a sibling, maybe a neighbor, maybe even yourself. You, you've just become disappointed. And again, as I told you, Jacob's mom disappoints him by leading him to deceive his father for his brother's birthright. And he teaches, she teaches him to go down a path that is such a terrible path. His own mother teaches him to be deceptive. How disappointing. And sadly, as people, we're going to disappoint those around us. And especially if we continue to hear the voice of the world, we're going to be disenchanted and we're going to disenchant other people. You see, his mother, Jacob's mother, Rebecca, taught him to look out for number one instead of looking to number one, God. Did you hear what I said? Our world tells us to look out for me, myself and I and go to God when I need to. Instead of saying, I need to go to God first. He is number one. Do You hear what I'm saying? Even American Christianity says I can do it by myself. God just come into my life and bless me instead of saying, God, I can't do it by myself. I love that song. I'm not enough, God. You see, following Jesus is a total surrender. It's not, God, I surrender some things and you take over. It's, God, I surrender everything and I give you my life. But Jacob's mother said to serve God, you've got to take what's yours and fight for it and don't let anyone steal it from you anyway. And Jacob's life becomes a series of deceptions and struggles to survive. And we are falling into the same trap in this world. You see, then, well... What about God? Let her see. Well, what about God? Disappointment by God. Well, can God disappoint us? I guess so. But the reality is he never really does on purpose. The reality is we tell God, God, you must do these things in my life. And we try to tell him what to do. And because he doesn't do what we want, because he's not a genie in a bottle. He's not just some loving, oh, whatever. Oh, you want to kill people? Go ahead. You want to lie? Go ahead. You want a billion dollars and you want to burn people? Go ahead. No, that's not what God is. God is the creator of the universe. He's holy, he's just, he's gracious, he's loving. And when we tell God, these are the steps that you must work in my life, you're going to be disappointed in God. Because God doesn't do tricks. He's not a circus animal. He is God Almighty. He is the creator of all things. And so what happens then 
is maybe we see people who call themselves followers of God. And even, listen, I'm going to read this to you. Even the actions of people who claim to be believers can cause us to be disappointed with God. Let me tell you, I'm going to disappoint you. Maybe I've disappointed you. Get your eyes off me and get your eyes on God. Maybe another believer, a family member has disappointed you. Get your eyes off them and get your eyes on God. Get your eyes off yourself and get your eyes on God because there is no perfect person in this world. And we need to look at them. Sure, we, we, I want to be a good role model. I want to help. I want to do the right thing. But my eyes are on God. And too many Christians are becoming disenchanted because we're looking at each other. We're looking around and we're saying, look at them. Look what they said. Look what they do. And then they're looking at you. Look at them. And so we get disenchanted with God. Get your eyes on God first. You see, I'm sure the unchanged lives of these types of believers feeds our disenchantment. In fact, listen, how often have we encountered someone with great knowledge of the Bible but whose presence, it's harsh, it's dark, it's miserable, it's negative. You don't want to be around them. Or they claim to be a follower of Jesus, but they're hateful. They want revenge. They, they lie. They steal. They cheat. You know, like, they call themselves a Christian? Really? You see, I'm sure Jacob was disappointed by his mother's deception and her actions. I'm sure Esau was very disappointed by Jacob stealing his birthright. This is why we must put our faith in God and not have our faith tied to people, a political party, to a nation, to money, to possessions, to a feeling. Our faith is in God. Come on, say amen. It's really quiet in here. Say amen online. Our faith needs to be God because God will never really disappoint us if we discover who God really is. We need to stop pointing our fingers at people and blaming them for our lack of looking at God. God is God. He's reaching out. Number two, I need to move on. I still love you. I hope you always love me. I'm trying not to disappoint. I want you to hear from God. Number two is the power of suggestion. We do what's modeled to us. We do what's modeled. You see, the mind is a powerful thing. Say the mind is a powerful thing. Say it in the chat. The mind is a powerful thing. How many of you know, understand what the placebo effect is? Placebo effect. Okay. So as they test, in fact, when they tested the vaccines that are out for COVID and, and they, they tested placebos, fake, uh, just sugar water and then real stuff. And they tested people just to see how it fact. And so the placebo effect is the idea that your mind can convince your body that a fake treatment is real. In fact, recent studies have shown that the placebo effect has 50% was 50% effective in response to a migraine attack. In fact, the placebo effect has has shown that when if you're in a hospital room or you're seeing a doctor and you see them in a white coat and step a step a step a stethoscope, you know what I'm talking about. Stethoscope. You feel more confident and you feel better. In fact, if you're like at a hospital and you see the nurse or the doctor, or the technician, and you've got an IV and you see them putting medicine in, you become, you feel better versus if you don't see that. It's a, it's a placebo effect. It's not always wrong. Okay. And there are too many studies to, to show the power of the placebo effect. And what is amazing is, is, is that the power of suggestion is real. Not only in medicine, but in politics and sports and business and life, in church, good and bad. And Harris III says this, we, we are far more suggestible than we often realize. 
How do I know? Because we buy stuff from online because we saw an ad. We try to act like certain people because we saw if our hair was this way or we drive this car or we went to this school or we acted this way. We are more suggestible than we realize. And sadly, we see that we see this with cults, dictators, politicians, professors, pastors, sadly, entertainers uh, and those who who who've even raised us. Not not that they've always done wrong, because what happens is our parents saw a model mentor to them and they bring that into their life. And they they might say there's things that we've all done that. Like we say, I'm we see something our parents did and we say, I'm never going to do that. And then we catch ourselves doing it to our own kids. Why? Because the power suggestion is real. What we saw modeled is what comes out in our lives. And so we have to say, all right, who is modeling me? Who is my example? Who have I given power over to? And I'm going to just shoot straight. I'm I'm going to get some bad emails. If all you do is watch one news source, Fox News, MSNBC, or you're, all you're doing is feeding on one source, you're giving yourself over to suggestion. If you're not reading your Bible, if you're not praying, if you're not talking to people, if you're not fellowship, if you're not worshiping, and you're not reading sources that might be different than your political or your even faith background. I'm not saying you need to open your mind to everything. I'm just saying sometimes we need some people that are different in our lives so that it keeps us straight. And so my question is this, who is feeding you? Who is the who is suggesting things to you? Are they really a good example for us? Are are we getting too much info from a single website, a, a single social media post, a single news source? I mean, Jesus says that what you what you feed on is going to come out from the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaks. If you're watching negative all the time, you're going to be negative. If you're watching positive all the time, you'll probably be more positive. If you're only watching one political group and or whatever, I'm just telling you, if you if you only watch one preacher all the time or one teacher, uh, you're going to just and I'm not saying they're wrong all the time. I'm just saying you've got to have a couple sources to keep you balanced. And of course, the main source is God. Say my main source is God. And I'm glad you're here today. I pray and strive that I say God's word and not my own. And sometimes my things slip out, but I'm praying that they're from God. You see, the second part of this, the power of suggestion is I'm better than others. See, Jacob had heard of God's plan for his family. You see, Isaac had encounters with God. Isaac had a relationship with God. And God had told Isaac, your family, your lineage is going to be very important. I have great plans for you. So Jacob heard this. Jacob knew this. Jacob understood this. And it seems that Jacob convinced himself that he deserved more and he had, to, he had to do all that he could to get more. And this is the age-old lie of the devil. I'm better than others and I deserve it. Does that sound familiar? I'm better than others and I deserve it. I deserve my rights. This is my, this is for me. You see, listen to this. Your beliefs, your beliefs do not have to be true in order for them to be real to you. Your beliefs do not have to be true in order for them to be real to you. We're dealing with this in our society now. We're dealing with this in our nation now. We're dealing with this in our homes and our schools now. What we focus on can become real, whether it's true or false. Maybe we're disenchanted with life or we lost our wonder because we keep feeding on things that are not from God or they're negative. Maybe your disappointments continue to feed into your life. 
We all do that. I think about things that I do and things that I've done. I'm like, oh, that was good. And then I think, oh, that was terrible. And then you think about life. I got this. I've got that. This is coming. And, and you think, man, I wish things would be different. And you, if you're not careful, disappointment can overwhelm you. And if you're not careful, what you focus on will become the focus of your life. You'll walk into that. And that's why I suggested that you, you read that book by Dr. Carolyn Leaf. Okay? Uh, you can go back next week. You can read other books than the Bible. God can speak through other books besides the Bible. Make the Bible the first, but you can hear from God. Amen? Amen. I'm telling you, I read a lot of books. I read books that are non-Christian and Christian. I read the Bible every day. Uh, and I haven't gone too far off yet, right? I hope, okay? So, you've got to stay with God and you've got to make sure the voices. In fact, listen to this. Paul says this and Jesus uh, had spoken to Paul and had encounters. 1 Corinthians 15:33. Do not be dis- do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. If all again is negative and hateful and, and makes you div- divisive against people, I'm just telling you that's bad company. You need to get rid of it. Galatians 6:7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man or a person reaps what he sows. What you keep putting in your life is going to come out. You can't, don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. What we spend our time thinking about doing comes out in our lives. We must spend time with God and other believers and those who aren't believers as well. I missed those scriptures, but I had to go back to them. I'm better than others. You see, the third thing is this. What does God suggest? You see, again, God did, did give Jacob a plan for a great life. But Jacob just didn't spend the time with God to discern it. He was busy doing life instead of being busy with God. And I know we're all we, we're so busy doing life that we say, God, I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. You've got to make time. I've got to make time. Come on. Amen. You see, Jacob didn't take the time to actually listen to the voice of God. What if you and I have lost our wonder of God because he is not our main source, because we're not listening to him? You see, again, if you look into the account of Jacob, you see that God didn't destroy him. God didn't judge him. But God brought him back. God was reaching out to him. God, God intervened. And brought him back. Let me, I, I'm going to say something. I'm just going to bug some of you. But maybe the isms of our culture are actually pulling us away from God's best. Tribalism, sexism, racism, nationalism, conservatism, liberalism, socialism, capitalism, any other ism. It's pulling us away from God. There could be a couple good things in some of those. But listen to this. Okay, this is, this is what I, I wrote down. If these things... The isms drive our faith, then we are not listening to the voice of Jesus. Let me say that to you again. If our isms, if these things which I just said, drives our faith, then we are not listening to the voice of Jesus. You see, Jesus should drive our faith, not isms. John ten twenty seven. Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me. Are we following Jesus today? Are we following God? John 15, 9, 10 and verse 12. As the Father has loved me, so I loved you. Jesus loves you. He loves every man, every woman, every person in this world. 
Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Verse 12, my command is this, love each other as I loved you. Are we loving people like we are loved by Jesus? And if our political party, our views, our social media are telling us to hate people, I'm telling you, you're not listening to the voice of God. If your professor is telling you to mock people and despise people or mock Christianity, that's not the voice of God. I'm not saying you can't have reason because God gives you reason. But if reasons are pushing you away from God, if your feelings are pushing you away from God, if your friends tell you to hate everyone and only hang out with them, they're not the voice of God. All right, I'll get off that. Because I love you. Number three, a real meeting with God. You ready? Are you ready? Some of you are like, yeah, because it's kind of quiet online here. Okay, of course, I don't, I don't know chat. A real meeting with God, a real meeting with God. You see, God reveals himself every day. Just I've already said it through nature. And if we would take the time to listen, God would speak to us. You see, here it is. I'm not going to read all of it, but in your notes, I think even in the sermon handout, Genesis 28. So this is the first time now that that Jacob is leaving. He's leaving his house with his mom, tells him, Rebecca tells him, you need to run because Esau is angry. Go live with your family. Go live with Laban now. Get away because your brother's angry. He might kill you, basically. That's kind of what's being said. So Jacob is leaving now. Okay, he ends up fleeing for his life. And on his journey there, God reveals himself to him. Listen to this. It is often when we come to a place where we're looking for answers, God is revealed to us. It's when we're desperate enough that we actually ask him for more for help to guide us that he will. And he's always speaking to us, but we're more receptive. You see, God always just say that God always God always reveals himself to mankind. He's always revealing himself to you. You see, so then Jacob has this encounter with God. He has this encounter. Okay, so he gets away. He's running for his life. He goes and he he makes a a, a, a stone for a pillow. How, I mean, how comfortable, right? Not. I'm going to pick it up in Genesis 28, verses 20 to 20, so 20 to 22. Jacob has an encounter with God. But he's not changed by this revelation of God. Listen, and here's why. Genesis 28, 20. Then Jacob, because he, he saw this vision of, of Jacob, angels going up and down the staircase or ladder. And he sees God. He sees this encounter. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God, listen, see again, he's giving God conditions. If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey, I am taking and will give me food. So he's, again, he's telling God, God, if you're going to bless me, if you're going to do this, If you give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. You see, he's telling God, I will. If you bless me, then I'll follow you. If that doesn't work that way, God, I will. I will follow you whether you bless me or not. But there is a blessing in following him. And this stone that I set up for a pillar will be God's house and all that you Give to me, I will give you a tent. So he's he's becoming, he has this encounter with God, but he doesn't surrender to God. Do you see what I'm saying? It's in the it's in this text. Is it still there? He is telling God, I will serve you, God, if you do these things. He has not surrendered his life to God yet. He has an encounter with God. But you see, this is the problem with too many Christians in America. We want an encounter with God, but we want to tell God how to do it. 
And we've not surrendered our lives. And so this will lead to disenchantment because you're going to be disappointed when you're bossing God around. God, if you love me, you'll do this. God just loves you, whether you demand it or not. No wonder the American church is such a mess. No wonder this nation is so divided. Let her be, rest in God. So the second time, so years later now, Jacob is married, has a couple wives and some other stuff, and that's a whole other thing. In fact, let me talk about this. I know we've talked about our family because our family's been reading through Genesis, and, and they're saying, well, did God allow uh, uh, polygamy? Did God allow uh, concubines? He did not ordain it. He did not set it apart because of the hardness of man. He allowed it. Just like today, God is still loving. He doesn't, like what we do, but he doesn't destroy us. He will eventually judge us. He didn't say it was okay, but he says because the hardness of heart, it, 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 you're going to pay a, pay a price. And so now Jacob is running again now. He's leaving Laban. He's, he's been deceived by Laban. He's leaving Laban. Now he hears that Esau's coming. So now again, his, his, he's living in fear. Oh my goodness, my life could end. Things are a mess in my life, okay? So now he has a second reawakening. And we see that Jacob the deceiver has been deceived. He's now about to meet Esau. Again, his life is a mess. And he fears that Esau is going to take revenge because now his dad's gone. Daddy ain't here to watch over you now, is he? Little Jacob, I'm coming for you. You remember that day? And so I'm sure Jacob had that story in his mind. Remember, we will make stories up in our mind, whether it's true or not. So Jacob gets alone again and God appears to him again. Now, I know that Genesis 32, this wrestling with God, that's a, can God really be out wrestled? The answer is no. Was that God? Because really the Bible says no man or person has seen God to live. This is what theologians call, this is what we call an epiphany. Or, and some theologians, and I tend to agree, is this is what we call a Christophany, meaning it's a, the, the, it was God in the form of a human or an angel-like so that he could see the presence of God. So Jacob now, first he saw angels, he heard the voice of God in his first encounter. Now he meets with Christ, a Christophany, you know, a pastor standing here. What? Well, read the Bible. If you don't agree with me, that's fine. And so now he's wrestling. He's wrestling with God. And it's not so much that he's wrestling to get from God. God is allowing Jacob to wrestle his strength. He's allowing him to wrestle out the world out of his life. And you see, when we come to Christ, it really is we've wrestled, we've wrestled, we've wrestled. I just keep making failures. I keep falling into the same sins or I, I keep doing the wrong things. And he, we're wrestling we're wrestling, and God allows you to wrest it all out of you. And again, God doesn't come to judge Jacob, but this time he allows Jacob to wrestle and struggle and get it out. And God brings us to this point where we must come to the point that we surrender. So this isn't working, God. And God uses this encounter to change him. You see, when you come to Christ, you wrestle with your old nature and you're changed. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, they are, they are a new creature. The old is gone and the new has come. This is what's happening. So now... Jacob has a real encounter with God where he wrestles out his flesh. He wrestles out his old past. And so he could not overpower God. 
But God was letting him wrestle out his old nature. And then God says this, you're no longer Jacob, the deceiver. Now you are going to be called Israel, a prince of God. And you see, when we wrestle out our flesh, when we surrender all to God, God can then truly change us. But the problem we're seeing in easy believism, American Christianity, is we want to wrestle with God and tell him how to to do our lives. It's us saying, God, here, I'm done wrestling. Here, I surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender all to him. I freely give. Now we say, God, it's my constitutional right that you give me what I want. It's my right as a Christian. You owe me. God owes you nothing. But yet he gives you everything. And we, we, we miss it because we're demanding our rights. We're demanding he do this. We're demanding he bless us. God, if I give this 10%, I'll, 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 you better bless me. If I give you my, my time at church, I'll, go, I'll watch Pastor Stan and, and, and you better bless me. It doesn't work that way. It's God, I just give you my life. Here, please, t- I'm a mess. I'm a mess, God. Change me. I hope you're hearing this today. You see, we need to surrender our old selves so that we can become who God has really called us to be. Jacob had a plan from God, but he could not live out that plan until he surrendered, until he wrestled it out. Matthew 16, Matthew 16, 24 says this. Then Jesus told his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good is it for a man? Or, or would, it be, would it be for someone to gain the world and yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? You see, Jacob could not give it anybody's health. He said he had to wrestle it out. It appears now that he's changed. And it appears sadly that many people follow cultural Christianity and they never surrender to God. We must surrender all to him, even our rights. In fact, Paul says in Corinthians, we are not our own. We are bought the price. Jesus gave his life for us and we must surrender. Paul says in Galatians, we must, we must mortify. And I hate to say this word. We must crucify ourselves. We must give it over to God. Every day it tries to get control. You must give it to God. Amen. You still with me? Number four, I'm going to move getting down to the end. A different kind of walk. A different kind of walk. You see, walking with a limp. We see that after Jacob's struggle and his new name, he walks with a limp. I'm not trying to make fun of you, excuse me. But he's now walking with a limp. It doesn't say that he had the limp forever, but it just says that he's walking differently now. And what I'm saying, some of you have already there. If we're following Jesus... If we're following Jesus, we're going to walk differently than the world. We're not going to get stoned like them. We're not going to cuss like them. We're not going to be deceptive like them. We're not going to lie like them. We're not going to be like them. We're going to be like Jesus. And I'm not saying you're not going to have failures. I'm not going to, not going to say you're not going to be tempted or fall. But what I'm going to say is your life's not going to match the world. It's going to look a little bit more like Jesus. And the problem with cultural Christianity is we want to look just like the world, but just have enough of Jesus to bless us. It doesn't work. It's either all of Jesus or none of Jesus. And so 
They should see the difference in our words, our deeds, our social media posts, our love for other people that are different than us. Just because they have a different faith, just because they voted different from us, they're not the enemy. God loves them. In fact, God loves you even though you voted this way. The way I voted. God still loves me in spite of me because he loves all people. Come on, amen? I'm shocked. I'm shocked at some Christians that have bought into this hating others, shaming others, and even seeking revenge. The Bible's very clear. God said, vengeance is mine. We should not seek revenge. There will be a pain. And yes, I get ticked off when I get ripped off or someone mistreats you or my family or, or people. I do. And I want to do something that's not always godly. But I have to surrender and say, God, you deal with them. And if I have to do something, you tell me. That's a different story. But if I'm just going to go out because the world says hate everyone and, and, and fight, that's what Jacob did. And Jacob made a mess of his family life until he wrestled out that stuff. John 13, 34 through 35. I love you. A new command. A new command. I give you love one another as I loved you. So you must not. It's not suggested. You must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It doesn't say I hate them, I shame them, I contest them. It says that people will know we're followers of Christ by our love. I'm getting a little excited. Because I'm tired of people in this, in this nation following some other Christianity that's not even biblical. I'm tired of the world telling us who Christ, how Christians should live and we need to follow God. I only had two cups, two and a half cups of coffee. It's so not coffee, okay? Matthew 5, 43 and 44. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Jesus said that was the old way. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You see, we are so spoiled in this world. We're so spoiled in this nation. Back in this time when Jesus was preaching, there was religious persecution. There was government persecution. The, the religious people held over the, the people. They, they controlled them. They lied to them. They deceived them. They overtaxed them, overtied them. They, they looked down on them. Then the Roman Empire conquered them and they, and they mistreated them. They abused them. And, and so you, you've got to know, it, get, you get, it gets tiresome. And the old way was, love your neighbor, but hate your enemy. God, and Jesus said, no, you've got you to start praying for them. We must pray for those who hate us. Pray for those who mistreat us. In fact, Galatians 5 Write this down on your notes or, or wherever you're at. Put this in your phone. Galatians 5, 19 through 25. You see, a news media should not tell you how to live your Christian life. A newspaper shouldn't tell you the marks of a Christian. The Bible should be the one. The way of Jesus should be. In fact, Paul says to the Galatians in verse uh, chapter 5, 19. The acts of the flesh. Are obvious sexual morality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry. That could be political money or person. I'm going to get off for a second. That could even be following a world known preacher teacher because you like them alone. 
and you like what they teach. The question I have for myself and them are, are we teaching the word of God? And that's why you need to listen to other preachers and teachers. That's why you need to read the Bible so you're not being deceived by one voice only. Let me get back to the message. A little bit extra there, okay? The works of the flesh are these. Verse 20, idolatry and witchcraft. Listen to this. Hatred. Discord. Jealousy. Fits of rage. Selfish ambition. Dissensions. Now, if your faith caused you to dissent and to have fights and factions, then you're not following Jesus. You're following your flesh. That's the Bible. Envy. Drunkenness. Orgies and the like. And this is what God says. This is what Paul says. I warn you, as he did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Are we following Jesus? Or are we following the world? But here's the good. I love the caveat, the but, the transitional word, the transitional phrase. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or long suffering, kindness, Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. You see, this should be what you should try to be like every day. The fruit of the Spirit. If you're doing the others and your political group or your church or your online pastor or teacher or your social media people are telling you to be divisive, to hate, to be angry, you're not listening to Jesus. And I'm not saying you need to be walked over, but you need to be Christ-like. Letter B, because I love you. Letter B, greater works than these. John 14, 12, very truly, I, I tell you, whoever believes in me, Jesus is saying, if you believe in me, will do works that I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. You see, after Jacob surrenders to God, he's a new person. And if we truly surrender to Jesus and we abide in him, we will be different. We will act different. We will love differently. We, we, we will help push out the disillusionment of the world. We will rediscover our wonder in God. You see, when Jesus speaks of greater things, he's not saying you'll be greater than Jesus. He is saying because there's more of us living like him. Real Christians will change the world. Listen to this. Perhaps greater works are works done in the lives and through the lives of Jesus believers living in his strength. Listen, I'm going to read this so I don't get it wrong. Perhaps greater works means saying no to a doctor's recommendation to abort a child with special needs and saying yes to raising and loving that child. Because that's still a child. Perhaps greater works includes pursuing understanding, reconciliation, justice, peace, and friendships with people from another race, a different culture, a different, different political persuasion, a different economic group, or generation whom you would not otherwise be able to get along with outside of Christ. Perhaps greater works include staying at the same church for years, even decades, looking to care for each other and to reach those outside and bring them in. You see, we have too many people that, man, that the church isn't meeting my needs. The church isn't doing enough for me. What are you doing for the church? 
Maybe greater love means I'm going to stick with it through thick and thin, through good and bad, through lean and extra. I'm going to stick with it. So my question, perhaps, or maybe the question, do our actions match our claim to Christianity? Is the church in America really showing Christ? Are we really showing people? You see, I love that Martin Luther King Jr. said this, returning violence for violence multiplies violence. Adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Some of you maybe remember, I'm, just, I'm trying to re- reference it here. But in the fall of 2006, a Pennsylvania milk trucker, I'm not, a milk truck driver, I'm not going to name his name, burst into a, an Amish one-room schoolhouse and he fired upon the schoolgirls, killing five of them and wounding five more. And then, of course, he turned the gun on himself. And in his suicide note, he had been secretly tormented by many years of, of two dark spots where he had molested people and then where he had a memory of losing his own daughter. And the loss of his child led him to confess and his note that he hated God. And he was so disenchanted and he had so listened to the lie over and over that he went out and he did something wrong. Let me read this to you so I get it right. There are two groups of people. There were two groups of people in attendance at his funeral. This man who killed these Amish girls and then took his own life and wounded five others. The first was the expected group, his family and friends of his family, who sat somber and shocked over what had happened. The second group was a group of about 30 men, women and children from the Amish community, whose daughters this man had murdered and injured. Commenting on the series of events, nearby sociologist and culture professor Donald Grable remarked that the most powerful demonstration of the depth of the Amish forgiveness was when the members of the Amish community went to the killer's burial service. Several uh, Amish families who had buried their own daughters just the day before were in attendance and they hugged the widow and hugged the other members of the killer's family. It was also reported that this Amish community had donated money to cover expenses, including funeral costs for the killer's widow and three children. Then, as would be the case for any community, after enduring such traffic, traffic, horrific loss, the Amish return home where they would be better able to concentrate on the work of their own healing. I'm going to call that greater things than these. Look how Jacob had changed. He walked differently. Are we walking differently? Could we actually do that? This is what Jesus, these are greater things. Can we rise above the world? Can we rise above our hate? Can we rise above our own selfishness? God looked over Jacob's flaws. He was a flawed man. But he gave him a second chance. God is the God of second chances. Come on, amen. We are so easy to write someone off because they're different than us. Where is Jesus in that? Can you imagine these Amish people? I can't imagine. I mean, the first time, I'm almost maybe crying out. It brought tears to my eyes when I read that. I said, this is the act of Jesus. 
What if we started acting like that? Instead of saying, it's my right, and this is not right. Instead of saying, God, help us to love people as you love them. We will discover our wonder for God as we remember that God did this for us. He sent his son to die on the cross for our faults, our sins, our wickedness, our failures, our deception. Have you wrestled that out and given your life to Jesus Christ? Number five, would the worship team please come? Reenchanting. Our wonder for God. I'm not talking enchantment. I'm saying to reawaken. Reawaken our wonder for God. Jeremiah 6.16. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is. And walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. But you have said, the people of Israel, we will not walk in it. You see, Jeremiah was walking in a very much time like ours. They're wanting God. They're wanting God to bless them. He's saying, this is the way, the ancient way, the ways of God are the way. I am the ancient one. This is the path. But you're, they're saying, we're not going to do that because we want a five step. We want something easy. We want to be able to look it online. We want Pastor Stan to be able to change our lives just like that. Bring. It never works. Our world of instant access, fast food, and our drive to success has made us to look for a quick way for a relationship with God. It never works that way. If you want a good relationship with someone, you've got to spend time with them. And you've got to give of yourself to them as well. You see, the, the, the Jer- Jeremiah the prophet was calling his people to the ancient path. I'm not talking old-timey ways. I'm not talking about Puritan ways. I'm talking... The ancient way of God. God has been around before we will, we've ever been, and he'll, he'll be here a lot longer. The ancient path is the way of God. And he says, when we get off this fast food drive to instant success, oh God, I, I need a sermon that gives by the worship song, they better lift me up. Why don't you just lift up God for yourself? Why don't you just get on your knees and say, God, I, I've gotten off the path. I want to get back on it. Because it, Jeremiah says it's a good way. Walk in it. And it says, you will find rest. You see, there's no need for a modern path. And I'm always looking for innovative ways, but it always goes back to, I need to get on my face before God and read the word. You see, the path of the ancient wind calls us to a place of stillness. We don't like that path. You don't get a path. I got things to do. I'm important and you are important, but all of us have things to do. And I love what Martin Luther, the first Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King, and I love him, what he did. But Martin Luther, he said, I have so many things to do. This day is just full of stuff. I got to spend four hours in prayer. Can you imagine? Four, spend, I mean, I struggle. I'm, you know, I struggle sometimes to get 30 minutes to an hour a day in prayer. And you know why? Because in my mind, I got to call them. I got to email them. I got to text them. I got this. I got to do this. I got this. I got that. And it pushes out God out of my life. God can do in a second what we think it's going to take a lifetime to do. You see, this path calls us to stillness, to stand on the ways of God and to walk in the ways of God. Because our aimless wandering, looking for that quick little trick, the quick little way to make us feel better, it's killing us. Letter B, and here's the question, is the modern path leading away from God? 
You must answer that question. Is the modern path leading away from God? Second Peter, second Peter one, five through eight says for this very reason, because of the world around us, because the modern path. Peter saying to the believers, because you you are responsible, say I am responsible for my faith in Jesus Christ. I am responsible to help you, but I, I cannot make your relationship happen. That's on you. And he says this, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. Verse 8, For if you, say me, If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Have we lost our way? Have we lost our why? Did you hear those questions? Have we lost our way? Have we lost our why? Are you pursuing God like a Jacob did early in his years just to be blessed? Are the outside voices of this world Making you less like Jesus or making you more like Jesus? Are you, are you making every effort? And I don't mean to point my fingers because this is me. Am I making every effort? Are you making every effort to add to my faith? Am I making every effort to be more Christ-like? Would you stand with me in the room where you're at? You can stand, you can, wherever you're sitting. Here's the last thing you see. Just like many of you, you're, you're, you're on a diet now. How's that working for you? You're, you're, gonna, you're, you're exercising. How's that working for you? You're going to stop that habit. How's that working for you? You see, just like that, or you have a financial plan. How's that work for you? I hope it's working well. I hope all those things are helping well. But if, if you don't have a spiritual growth plan, you're never going to grow in the Lord. You're going to live on junk food meals from YouTube videos. You're going to look, you're going to read books and, and you're going to try to catch sermons and they might feed you. But and you hear me say this all the time. Can you imagine eating one meal a week and thinking you're going to thrive? What makes you think one sermon a week is going to make you grow? You need to order your steps for change. You need to eat right. You need to spend time. I need to spend time in God's presence. You see, listen, wonder changes things. Once we rediscover the God of all wonder, then you want to make time with Him. You want to worship Him. You want to read His Word. You must read your Bible. As a Christian, do your best to read your Bible every day. I know most of you have a mobile device or you have a computer, an iPad or, or, or whatever, Samsung. I don't care what it is, okay? There's an app. It's called the Version Bible. You. Why? O U version V E R S I O N. There's the U version Bible. You can put it on your smart device. You can put it on your computer, and you can have a daily Bible reading plan. Don't tell me I'm so busy. You're if you're on Netflix five hours a day and you don't have time for God, there's something wrong. If you have time to scroll through social media for hours and hours and you don't have time for the Bible, there's something wrong. Come on, it's not me. It's you. Sorry. You must order your steps for change. Pastor said, I'm not getting fed. You know what? I can put out a good meal, but I'm not forcing you to eat it. See, my mom and dad, they're, you know, they're, my mom was Korean, so I'll praise God. I grew up eating Korean food. Praise God. And my dad grew up on a farm, and he made some good homemade farm meals. 
And they put this, sometimes it was mac and cheese and hot dogs. But you know what? I still need to eat. I ate it and I was grateful. But if I expect a Thanksgiving dinner every Sunday, I'm going to be disappointed at the pastor. Sometimes it's a mac and cheese night. Well, I don't eat mac and cheese. Okay, tofu and seaweed. Put some kimchi in there. Put some gochujang. Put some bagogi in there. Yeah, I'm getting off. You must order your steps. You must have a daily time with God, reading your Bible. Prayer, not just asking God, bless, 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 but God, let me hear. God, help me, forgive me, watch over me. God, guide me. God, protect me. God, help me to be like you. And then... Something God has been trying to work on me more this, this last couple months is be thankful. Be thankful. I know it's been hard. But just thank Him and say, you know what, God, I just worship you for who you are, not because of what you do. I just worship you because I am not enough. I will never be enough. But that's why you came. For you and I to rediscover our wonder for God, we must order our steps towards God. We must surrender to God. We must have that night where we wrestle our flesh out and say, God, I surrender. I, I'm not enough. You know why there's such division as nation? Because we still want to be in charge of our faith. We want it to be the way we want instead of what God wants. You know why Jacob's life was a mess until he had that night with God? Because he kept trying to do it himself. And I'm not saying you'll never do it. I'm just saying you'll, you'll submit to God and get on the ancient path again. Are you willing now? Because wonder changes things. And listen, here's the conclusion is wonder leads to action. We need more Christians that are about action. Do you remember the Amish families? Their actions spoke louder than the words. Protests are fine, but our actions of acting like Christ are going to make a much better difference. I've never won someone to the Lord by beating them down, by calling them stupid because of the way they voted or the way they believed. I've never led a person to the Lord on social media by, by, by just shaming them. But I have pointed people to Jesus by listening to them. I'm not saying I agree with them, but just listening to them and then asking questions. Why do you believe that? What about this? What about Jesus? Father, help us today to reawaken our wonder. Help us to get back to the you, the ancient one, the ancient path, and that's following you. God, let the church be your church. We don't belong to a president. We don't belong to a corporation. We don't belong to a political party. We don't belong to a, 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 a TV preacher. We don't belong to a denomination. We belong to you, God. We are bought with a price. Jesus gave his life so that we could live. And Father, some of us, we've had an encounter with you, but we've not had the wrestling match yet. Where we have to wrestle out our flesh. We have to wrestle out our fears. We have to wrestle out everything and say, God, I'm not enough. I'm not enough, God. I'm not enough. Here I am. Lord, would the church in America get back on its knees and get back to the ancient path to be Christ-like. Help us to be people of Jesus Christ. Let our words be spoken with action. Let our wonder be real. Lord, I'm asking for those maybe in this room or those online that never have accepted Jesus. That it's time they, they've got to come to that point where they've got to wrestle. They've got to give up control and say, God, you have the best plan for my life. And I give it up. You see, Israel would go on to become a great nation through Jacob, who would become, he had 12 sons, and his 12 sons would become the tribes. And they had their flaws, but 
We are all part of those tribes. Would you allow Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, to be your boss, to be your king, to be your savior? Would you stop wrestling him and just give him control? The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and you believe with your heart that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. You'll be saved from yourself. You'll be saved from deception. You'll be saved from the world. I'm not saying you'll never have problems. I'm not, not, I'm not saying you'll never have temptations, but I'm saying that you'll get on the ancient path of following Jesus Christ again. And you'll find rest for your soul. So, Father, help us to get on the path for my friends that may be in this room or online and they're accepting Jesus. Lord, help them. It's a simple prayer. Jesus, come into my life. I give you my life. I give you everything. I surrender all to you. Maybe you call yourself a Christian. Maybe you are a Christian, but you've gotten off the path. And you need to get back. And you need to wrestle again. And you need to wrestle out the world. And you need to give control to Jesus and say, you know what? Jesus followers don't act like that. They don't talk like that. They don't, they don't do that. It takes more guts. It takes more intestinal fortitude. It takes more strength to be Christ-like than to be like the world. People can call you weak. They can call me weak. I don't care because I want to be called to heaven one day. And I want to do all that I can that I've led other people to Jesus Christ. That should be our first and foremost. God, did I live to please you? So, Father, for the church in America, forgive us for falling down when people are on the path of destruction. Help us to get back to being Christ-like. Yes, we will stand for righteousness and truth, but we'll also do it with mercy, with love and compassion. Together. We can't have one or the other. We have to have both, God. But, Lord, let us come to the point where we have this point that we walk differently. That we, when people look at us and they see us, our actions, we, we walk differently. We walk with a limp because we're following Jesus because our lives have been changed, God. Would we, the church, be known as followers of Jesus and not some other group or groups, God? Help us try, stop trying to be accepted by the world, but let us be what you've called us to be. We ask this in the name of Jesus because we are not enough, but you are all. Let's worship this God right now.